Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In our numbers 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, I watched part of what took place on the floor of the House today, and a couple of things immediately struck me. The head of the House Judiciary Committee, the point man for impeachment on the floor today, Jerry Nadler. The irony, the sick irony. On his last day in office, Bill Clinton, as reported by Front Page, and they're right, acceded to Jerry Nadler's request to commute the sentences of both Linda Evans and Susan Rosenberg of the Weather Underground. So he pushed for their pardon, and as a result of him pushing, their sentences were commuted. Now, Evans was arrested with 740 pounds of dynamite intended for, among other targets, the Capitol building. She had 24 years left in her 40-year sentence when Clinton pardoned her at Nadler's request. Rosenberg also pardoned at Nadler's request, arrested for weapons possession, had 42 years yet to serve on her 58-year sentence. Now, this is pretty... Incredible, don't you think? That number one, he's still a member of Congress, but number two, today, there he was, front and center. Leading an impeachment which is said to have been an impeachment based on inciting an insurrection. Now, I have the document that was prepared by Chairman Gerald Nadler, it says, was actually prepared by his staff. There is no Republican response because the Republicans didn't get a copy of this soon enough in advance of today's vote. Because what's happened here is the equivalent of a political kangaroo court. 
The first 50 pages, 76 pages long, the first 50 pages of the report uh, claims to provide the material supporting the impeachment for Trump for high crimes and misdemeanors. The remaining 25 pages are said to be, I'm looking at it, uh, an appendix. It's filled with references to newspaper articles, to op-eds, to speeches, references to comments by the likes of Susan Collins and others. This is not a document that makes the case for high crimes and misdemeanors because it can't. There is not a single, single, substantive, constitutional argument for impeaching the President of the United States in the document that purports to provide the materials in support of House Resolution 24 impeaching Donald John Trump. Nothing in here. Nothing. The Washington Post the other day ran a story, I believe it was on Sunday. Of course, they write in a funny way to protect Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and they don't pull together the timeline and things of that sort, but others have. Because a document was leaked, or information was leaked to the Washington Post, and others have taken a look at it. Including at the National Pulse. And they point out that the Washington Post, and I'm going to get to the Post in a minute, it's right here. The Washington Post has reported that the ongoing Capitol Police Chief, outgoing, excuse me, Steve's son, believes his efforts to secure the premises were undermined by a lack of concern from House and Senate security officials, who answered directly to Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Leader Mitch McConnell. You've got to listen to this. The Washington Post timeline reports the National Pulse, proves it was impossible for Trump's speech attendees to have made it to the Capitol in time for the breach. People are pulling this timeline together, and they're saying, wait a minute, the Capitol building was attacked, attacked, in some cases even before he spoke, or 20 minutes before he stopped speaking. In addition to the fact that Trump openly called for cheering on of congressmen and peaceful protests, and we'll play that in a moment, the timeline as established from numerous establishment media reports simply doesn't stack up. The admission that House and Senate security leaders failed to provide Capitol Police with resources on that day will raise questions over their role in the day's events. Now, right away it raises questions to me. What did Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell know and when did they know it about these threat assessments? And I'm going to get into that more deeply in a minute with the help of the Washington Post, among others. Two days before Congress was set to formalize President-elect Joe Biden's victory, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund was growing increasingly worried about the size of the pro-Trump crowds expected to stream into Washington in protest. To be on the safe side, Sund asked House and Senate security officials for permission to request that the D.C. National Guard be placed on standby in case he needed quick backup. But Sund interviewed on Sunday said they turned him down. In his first interview since pro-Trump rioters stormed the U.S. Capitol last week, Sund, who has since resigned his post, said his supervisors were reluctant to take formal steps to put the guard on call, the National Guard, even as police intelligence suggested the crowd President Trump had invited to Washington to protest uh, probably would be much larger than earlier demonstrations. 
House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving said he wasn't comfortable with the optics, quote-unquote, of formally declaring an emergency ahead of the demonstration, Sun said. Meanwhile, Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger suggested that Sun should informally seek out his guard contacts, asking them to, quote-unquote, lean forward and be on alert in case Capitol Police needed their help. Irving could not be reached for comment. A cell phone number listed in his name has not accepted messages. Sun recalled a conference call with Pentagon officials and officials from the D.C. government. He said on the call, I'm making an urgent, urgent, immediate request for National Guard assistance. I've got to get boots on the ground. But the request was apparently denied over optics. Remember the optics? At Lafayette Park, remember how the president and others were attacked? I don't like the visual of the National Guard standing a police line with the Capitol in the background, an Army officer replied. John Falciccio, Chief of Staff for D.C. Mayor Muriel Boward, admitted, literally, this guy is on the phone, I mean, crying out for help. It's burned in my memories. And while the Washington Post clumsily attempts to blame President Trump for the violence, despite the president calling for peaceful protests and the cheering on of congressmen, Their own article admits the, quote, first wave of protesters arrived at the Capitol about 12.40 p.m. President Trump's speech didn't conclude until 1.11 p.m. And with at least a 45-minute walk between the two locations with crowd-related delays, that would put the first people from Trump's speech at the Capitol Hill no earlier than 1.56 p.m., a full hour and 16 minutes after troublemakers arrived, they write. In fact... Rioters who breached the perimeter would have had to leave before Trump's speech even began at 12 p.m. precisely to make it in time for the events as they are detailed by authorities. The Washington Post also states, quote, Sun's outer perimeter on the Capitol's west side was breached within 15 minutes, unquote, meaning the Capitol was breached over an hour before Trump's speech attendees could even have begun to arrive. This correlates with Sun's interview where he admits, I realized at 1 p.m. things aren't going well. I'm watching my people getting slammed at 1 p.m. Again, 1 p.m. would have been a full 56 minutes before any Trump speech attendees could have even begun arriving, let alone breaching the perimeter and clashing with police. Downtown Washington roads were closed. There was no way of arriving faster, let alone before the president had finished speaking. At 1.09 p.m., still before the president had finished speaking, Sun called the sergeant-at-arms of the House and Senate. He told them it was time to call in the National Guard. He even said he wanted an emergency declaration. Both, however, said they would run it up the chain, quote-unquote, and get back to him. At 1.50 p.m., the Capitol itself was breached, still before most Trump speech attendees could have possibly arrived, What happened after this point was a back and forth over hours between D.C. officials, Army officials, and Capitol Police. Eventually, at past 5 p.m., the National Guard arrived. And while Sund is quoted in the Washington Post as blaming President Trump's speech for the violence that ensued, the timeline means that makes no sense. The president's fans are not known for leaving his speeches five or ten minutes in, and by the time the Capitol was breached, Those who had stayed to listen, even the first 15 minutes, would not have even made it there in time. So that's from one publication. Then we have John Solomon, who used to be a reporter for AP, by the way, a senior reporter and editor. 
at Just the News. And I want to expand on what he has written, and then I want to go to the Washington Post itself. We'll be right back. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections but whether or not they stand strong for our country. It's not inciting a damn thing. You want to hear somebody who's inciting a damn thing? Cut two from August 2020. Go. I know that there are protests still happening in yes. major cities across the United States. I'm just not seeing the reporting on it that I, that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's, they're not, this is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware, because they're not going to stop. It is going to, they're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. And we should not. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing we haven't seen Antifa Black Lives Matter since the election, have we, Mr. Producer? No, and remember when everybody was boarding up their stores and so forth, and Biden wins, and they don't have to board up their stores anymore. Just pointing that out. Now, I'm going to start this, and we'll continue it after the break. John Solomon, in just the news. I'll get to the Washington Post in a moment. One thing recent history has taught America is the first storyline of major tragedies or controversies is never the most accurate. Americans were told by the Bush administration that they were sucker-punched by a surprise attack by 11, on 9-11 by terrorists, only to learn the CIA and FBI had significant advance evidence of the plot and its players and failed to connect the dots. Susan Rice originally told the nation that the attack on the U.S. consul in Benghazi was carried out spontaneously by a mob angered by an anti-Muslim video. 
The attack, it turned out, was pre-planned and carried out by Al-Qaeda, a line terror group in Libya. The country was assured Christopher Steele's dossier provided credible evidence of Donald Trump colluding with Russia, when in fact the CIA and FBI knew almost immediately was uncorroborated and based in part on Russian disinformation. And now just a week after the heinous and deadly siege of the U.S. Capitol, the final narrative of what actually happened is still being written, revised, and unmasked. Since the weekend, major bombshell revelations already have substantially revised the initial story of a spontaneous mob overrunning an unsuspecting Capitol Police force. The FBI admitted Tuesday it received information ahead of the January 6th tragedy suggesting some participants were planning a war, quote-unquote, on the Capitol, including killing officers and distributing maps of the complex. It alerted Washington, D.C. law enforcement through the Joint Terrorism Task Force alert system. It also disrupted the travel plans of some of the suspected troublemakers. Quote, we developed some intel that a number of individuals were planning to travel to the D.C. area with intentions to cause violence. Assistant Director Stephen M. DeNutonio said, we immediately shared that information and action was taken. The great NYPD, the New York Police Department, is reported to have given the Capitol Police similar intelligence warnings of impending violence. The chief federal prosecutor in Washington declared Tuesday he's pursuing conspiracy charges, signaling the attacks on the Capitol involved multiple acts of multiple conspirators working in concert with each other. The prosecutor talked about the planning of carefully constructed IEDs as one such act. In other words, there was pre-planning for some elements of last Wednesday's chaos. And the official timeline of events constructed by the New York Times through videos shows protesters began breaching the perimeter of the Capitol a full 20 minutes before Trump finished his speech. Okay, now that's the New York Times timeline. This new evidence raises the first compelling question that remains unanswered. How could Trump incite an attack that had already been pre-planned and was in motion before his speech ended? A senior intel official told Just the News he's found no evidence that the president, the White House, or national security was alerted Informal intelligence briefings to the pre-warnings or suspicions of violence. The FBI and the NYPD have admitted they had. This is astounding to me, if it's accurate. I'm talking about the New York Times and Washington Post, not John Solomon. That you have information that individuals are coming armed, they're going to attack the Capitol building, that this is a war, and you don't even alert the President of the United States? I know what you're thinking. I'm going to ask the question, too. What did Nancy Pelosi know? What did Mitch McConnell know? Were they not tipped off about this? Because apparently the sergeant of arms of the House and the sergeant of arms of the Senate were aware of this. And each reports respectively to Pelosi and McConnell. I think we want to know some facts, right, Paul Farhi? Isn't that how this works? I'll be right back. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. 
Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Let's go back to this John Solomon piece. D'Antuno, this is the field director for the FBI in Washington, explained that one of the concerns the FBI had was trying to distinguish whether those writing despicable things on the... Now, this is pretty outrageous. He's tipped off by the NYPD. He's tipped off by a field, FBI field office in Virginia, and they're trying to figure out whether this is just bravado on the Internet. Now, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you take it seriously? Just in case? Now, Getting the facts, he writes, Solomon, to resolve this question is essential for congressional and federal investigators, both for the legacy of Trump and for learning how to avoid a repeat of the deadly tragedy that struck last Wednesday. The second major question that remains unanswered is, what did House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other leaders in Congress know? And I would add McConnell. And when did they know it? About the possibility for violence and the Pentagon's pre-attacked offer to send National Guardsmen to reinforce the Capitol Police. We know the mayor of Washington waved it off. Now I pointed out earlier that the U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund told the Washington Post that security officials at the House and Senate rebuffed his early request to call in the National Guard ahead of a protest. And he alleged that House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving was concerned with the optics. So it goes on. They're, they're citing the uh, Post piece. So the question is, did the Sergeant-at-Arms of the House and the Sergeant-at-Arms at the Senate or anybody else convey to the Speaker of the House or the, the Leader of the Senate, one a Democrat, one a Republican, about the threat assessments and the likelihood for violence before the President spoke, and before the rally. This is why you don't do rush impeachments, in addition to severely and gravely damaging the Constitution of the United States, which I'll get to a little later. Now here's the Washington Post piece from January 12th. A day before rioters stormed Congress, an FBI office in Virginia issued an explicit warning that extremists were preparing to travel to Washington to commit violence and war, quote-unquote, according to an internal document reviewed by the Washington Post that contradicts a senior official's declaration 
The Bureau had no intel indicating anyone at last week's demonstrations in support of the president planned to do harm. A situational information report approved for release the day before the U.S. Capitol riot painted a dire portrait of dangerous plans, including individuals sharing a map of the complex's tunnels and possible rallying points for would-be conspirators to meet in Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and South Carolina, and head in groups to Washington. Quote, this is from the document through the, uh, via the Washington Post. As of 5 January 2021, FBI Norfolk received information indicating calls for violence in response to unlawful lockdowns to begin on 6 January 2021 in Washington, D.C., the document says. An online thread discussed specific calls for violence to include stating, quote, be ready to fight, Congress needs to hear glass breaking, doors being kicked in, and blood from their BLM and Pantifa slave soldiers being spilled. Get violent. Stop calling this a march or rally or a protest. Go there, ready for war. We get our president or we die. Nothing else will achieve this goal, unquote. Now, let me, let me ask you something. So you're at Maine Justice at the FBI. You're at Maine Justice at the FBI. And the Terrorism Working Group gets this, meaning local, regional, national, state, police, law enforcement. And you're not sure whether this is just bravado? The warning is the starkest evidence yet, writes the Post, of the sizable intelligence failure that preceded the mayhem, which claimed the lives of five people. Well, three of them died of natural causes. I'm just pointing that out. That doesn't make it any better, but there needs to be accuracy, including that poor law enforcement official, by the way. At the FBI office in Norfolk, the report was written within 45 minutes of receiving the information, officials said, and shared with counterparts in Washington. The head of the FBI's Washington field office, the Stephen Dianuto, told reporters last Friday that the agency did not have intel suggesting the pro-Trump rally would be anything more than a lawful demonstration. He held a news conference Tuesday after the Post's initial publication. He said the alarming January 5 intelligence document was shared with all our law enforcement partners through the Joint Terrorism Task Force which includes the U.S. Capitol Police, the U.S. Park Police, D.C. Police, and other federal and local agencies. But apparently they never told the President of the United States. He goes to this event. I assume they didn't alert his Secret Service. But I want to know who was alerted in Capitol Hill. I think that's very important. And Stephen's son, who resigned as Capitol Police Chief, said in an interview Tuesday he never received nor was made aware of the FBI's field bulletin, insisting he and others would have taken the warning seriously had it been shared. I did not have the information, nor was that information taken into consideration in our security planning. But he's also the same guy that says he alerted the Sergeant of Arms in the House and the Senate that they needed to bring in the National Guard. And so here it is. None of this is in the impeachment report. All 50 pages with 26 pages of appendixes, of appendix information. What do you make of that? 
I have no problem with a thorough investigation of what took place that day, including before and after. No problem whatsoever. But we now know that armed, dangerous militants, militarists, whatever you want to call them, came to that event for the purpose of breaching the Capitol building. And I'll tell you what, maybe killing people and maybe taking people hostage. You know what else they found? Not handcuffs. What do you call those things that are used instead of handcuffs? What were they using? Zip ties. They had zip ties. And Molotov cocktails. And God knows what else. Now the President of the United States has done a lot of rallies in his short political career. Including like 50 of them before the last election. Not one of them was violent. There was no violence whatsoever. This is different. And what should have happened is the FBI, frankly, should have warned the President not to go. For one, it's too dangerous. But it does raise questions because information was shared with the Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police. Who knew what? Are you telling me you're the Sergeant of Arms of the House and the Senate, you're given information that there's a grave concern by the head of the Capitol Police that we need the National Guard and they're blowing it off and they don't tell McConnell and they don't tell Pelosi? I guess that's possible. But they just impeached the president without a hearing, without an investigation, without any due process whatsoever, based on assumptions and projections and conclusions and opinion pieces and opinions among their colleagues. And this violence occurred, and they impeached the president because they say he incited an insurrection. Liz Cheney's statement says in part, I can't read everything, I'm just saying, the President of the United States summoned his mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. None of this would have happened without the President. She's a liar. She put this statement out on January 12th at 6.22 p.m. She put this statement out January 12th at 6.22 p.m. But before that time, on the same date, the Washington Post issued its story, which I just read to you in part. So she knew that wasn't true. So you get words like, well, he contributed to it, he did this and that. And then I give you the timeline that John Solomon has worked through based on the New York Times timeline. And the timeline the National Pulse worked through based on the Washington Post story. I suppose they can be challenged, but let's see the challenge. So you know what happened today? Here's the headline. They impeached an innocent man. Now here's a better headline. They unconstitutionally impeached an innocent man. That's what they did. There were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people there. There were many, many reporters there. All kinds of recording devices and video devices. We call them iPhones and so forth. There's not a single word of incitement of violence. The president has challenged the legitimacy of this election. 
The Democrats and the media challenged the legitimacy of his election for years with the Russia collusion story. I have a Washington Post reporter here. Listen to the questions that Paul Farhi's now asking me. If I can find them. Hello, Mr. Levin. I'd like to get your input for a follow-up article to the one I wrote the other day about a memo issued by Cumulus Westwood One's Executive Vice President, Brian Phillip. As I understand, you hadn't received Mr. Phillip's memo. Is that still the case? So this memo was leaked to him. And yes, I never received this memo. Many of us never received this memo. It wasn't for us. Second, even if you haven't received it, I'd like to know if, if you have in any way changed your approach to talking on the air about the election since last week's disruption at the Capitol. Do you still feel that the election was fraudulently conducted and that President Trump was the rightful winner? In essence, do you still see a path, as Mr. Phillips put it in his memo, for the president to remain president? Do I still see a path, Mr. Vida? Is this guy serious? I see a path? There's no path. And even when I talked about it in the past, I said it's very, very unlikely. Right, Mr. Producer? Right, America? It's a very difficult, if not impossible, hurdle. My focus, and this guy says he listens, my focus has been on four states in particular where they changed their voting. I'm not talking about machines and everything. They changed their voting system unconstitutionally. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. All these people talk about defending the Constitution, right? I'm defending it. Only the state legislatures can change the election laws. That didn't happen in these four states. I've talked about it at length over and over again. And nothing that happened on Capitol Hill changes that. Nothing that happened that day changes it. Period. The Constitution is the Constitution. It's that simple. And these state legislatures need to try and fix what took place. Although there's a serious question whether even if they fix it, the courts in those states and the executive branch in those states will adhere to what the state legislatures have done because they didn't before. So these questions are intended to be inflammatory. They're set-up questions. Have I changed my approach to talking on air about the election? Why would I change my approach? The Constitution hasn't changed. The arguments I made are still relevant. They're relevant after this election. But I would ask Mr. Farhi, or Fari, has its newspaper... His newspaper, the Washington Post, changed its approach, or is it still uh, banking on Russia collusion? For years we hear about Russia collusion. But I'm not going to waste any more time with this. Mr. Producer, why don't you actually take a little clip of what I just said so I can send it to the guy? Why don't we do it that way? In any event... There's more to get to here because it's very, very important. The damage to our Constitution. We had 10 Republicans, as I understand it, who voted for impeachment. No due process, no factual inquiry, no investigation of any kind. A complete rejection of the past processes for impeachment because they say the president's way too dangerous and he needs to be punished and punished right now. 
They know full well there won't be a trial in the Senate, and if there is, there won't be a conviction. But I knew as soon as this happened, they would paste it on Trump. Because the media, the hosts, were immediately saying the president's language did this, and they do not ever speak specifically to what language they're talking about. And so you can see the broader brush, the attack on Ted Cruz, the attack on Josh Hawley, the attack on 139 members of the House, the attack on other individuals who thought we had have a commission like we did in 1876. Now you can't question anything. This is how it works. Nothing. Because then you're tied to the violence that was pre-planned on Capitol Hill. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Oh, I have to do this, don't I? I'll be on Hannity tonight, approximately 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. On, I hope you'll watch us. That's Hannity, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Tom McClintock, I thought, had a very good and concise statement on the floor of the House today. He's a uh, congressman from California. Let's take a listen. Cut three, go. You know, I didn't like the president's speech on January 6th either. I thought he was wrong to assert that the vice president in Congress can pick and choose which electoral votes to count. He was wrong to set such a confrontational tone in a politically tense situation. But what did he actually say? His exact words were, quote, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, unquote. That's impeachable? That's called freedom of speech. Now, he also threatened to oppose candidates in future elections. And by the way, that was directed at Republicans like me who'd resolved to uphold the constitutional process and protect the Electoral College. Well, so what? That's called politics. If we impeached every politician who gave a fiery speech to a crowd of partisans, this Capitol would be deserted. That's what the president did. That is all he did. 
He specifically told the crowd to protest peacefully. And yet all day long on the floor, not all day, there were only two hours, the Democrats and 10 Republicans said he incited violence, he got the gang going, he gathered the gang. We're getting more and more reports of how this actually occurred. And he is an innocent man who is wrongly impeached. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There is no doubt how all this ugliness started. It started even before Donald Trump won the presidency. As they point out, 19 minutes after he was uh, elected, uh, the Washington Post ran a story about the uh, possible impeachment of Donald Trump, and it's gone downhill from there. You have somebody in Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. These are flamethrowers of the left. Flamethrowers. You have the Washington Post and the New York Times and other media outlets that contributed mightily to this. CNN, David Z- uh, uh, Jeff uh, Zucker. You have uh, MSNBC and other outlets. Just extremely hostile. You have the prior administration that was conducting itself, in my view, in very unlawful ways with spies in the Trump campaign and on and on and on. But now we see this this growing kind of uh, cancer in our system, in our civil society. And uh, Ben Weingarten has a wonderful piece up at the Federalist, which is a wonderful site. And it is uh, worth reading to you. I don't like reading columns of somebody, but it's his column. It's not mine. But it's important. It says, The Capitol Hill riot was an inexcusable, pathetic, and disgraceful display. Its consequences will extend well beyond the bloodshed and property damage inflicted by those who shamefully acceded to the left's view that forces legitimate means of persuasion, exhibited repeatedly via the left's normalization of political incitement and violence throughout President Trump's term in office. The riot not only overshadowed the corruption that marked the 2020 election and undermined the MAGA movement's people and principles, but set up Americans of all political stripes for an onslaught on their rights and cherished freedoms. The riot was an accelerant for what was already likely planned under Democrat rule in Washington, crushing dissenters from its leftist orthodoxy as part of an effort to achieve total power by disenfranchising the opposition. I was thinking this morning... Do you realize every main avenue for communication in the public is now, or virtually every main avenue, is closed? To me and people like me and you, unless you adhere to their, it's not ethical standards, unless you adhere to their political standards. President Trump, he writes, has personified this dissent, but the effort to delegitimize, deplatform, and ultimately destroy him and anyone around him is merely the opening scene of The Godfather. 
like settling of scores with all who threaten the ruling class's power and privilege. This effort will directly harm not just the thousands of peaceful patriots who had descended on Washington, D.C., and their tens of millions of like-minded neighbors across the country, but all Americans. The coming crackdown on dissenters in the political realm was preordained in the wee hours of January 6, when both Georgia Senate seats flipped to the Democrats. Now, should Senate Democrats successfully blow up the filibuster, they will work to pass an agenda in which any one item, let alone all, could put Democrats in virtually unshakable control of the federal government for years to come. They have made no secret of their agenda, which includes such items as mass amnesty for illegal aliens, statehood for Washington, D.C., statehood for Puerto Rico, a federal enshrinement of mail-in voting through a re-upped H.R. 1. Needless to say, total leftist political control will erode liberty and justice and be used to target dissenters in cruel and unusual ways. In the near term, the Capitol Hill riot has served as a pretext for other corrosive political acts. Calls for the 25th Amendment to remove a sitting president, and by the way, the 25th Amendment didn't even apply here. It was embarrassing to watch members of Congress talk about the 25th Amendment. They take an oath to uphold a constitution they don't even comprehend. A second impeachment vote. Consultations between the Speaker of the House and the Pentagon about preventing the president from accessing the nuclear codes and discharging his other duties, and calls by our national security and legal apparatus against conservatives and their speech, all under the pretense of combating domestic terrorism and punishing incitement. I mean, my God, they had information handed to them by the NYPD, by a field office in Norfolk, Virginia, the FBI, and apparently they didn't do anything. But now... The broad brush is applied, is his point. This is not purely an issue of politics, for it will encompass all of civil society. The coming assault on dissenters will play out in arenas that far transcend our increasingly unrepresentative government. Its adjuncts in big tech, woke capital, corporate media, and beyond have already started participating in the purge of their own volition in a continuation of the anti-cultural revolution of summer of 2020. It's nothing less than the weaponization of civil society institutions against political dissenters, in conjunction with and often indirectly supported by the state. Americans are now primed to punish their fellow Americans for wrong think to a greater extent than we have seen before. They will go far beyond banning the President of the United States from major social media platforms, purging countless like-minded voices, and stymieing their alternative means of communication. It will go far beyond pulling a U.S. senator's publishing deal. It will go far beyond even firing people purportedly acting peacefully at political rallies. Ultimately, it will extend across every aspect of the digital world and affect real life as well. Yes, we are headed towards something like China's Great Firewall, where albeit without the power of a government gun, big tech will silence speech that challenges the ruling class's official narratives, disappear the digital profiles of those who run afoul of its ever-changing terms and service, and take down websites where alternative ideas might proliferate. More chilling is this thought. What is to stop the crackdown from going beyond communications? To where and how you can work, bank, travel, eat, shop, obtain health insurance, and send your kids to school. 
Think for a second about everything you do in daily life. Consider how reliant you are on goods and services controlled by entities in whole or in part run by executives who either hate your political views or think that they can survive by carrying favor with those who are contemptuous. The left has already said it is making lists to prevent Trump administration personnel from getting jobs in the private sector. What's to stop them or their allies in the media and corporate America from doing the same to any of us? Is there any apparent limiting principle that will keep us from developing a CCP-style, that's communist China, social credit system with Western characteristics, quote-unquote, as his colleague, Samantha Mitra, has put it, whereby private enterprises grade us on ideology and determine what we can and cannot do based on how closely we hew to its ideology. In a world where politics has become all-pervasive, virtue signaling demands not only disavowing but punishing the 74 million enablers of what the left has been asserting for years is Nazism. As in so many other matters, there have been projecting onto the right what the left itself actually endorses. If you accede to the view that anything that challenges the prevailing progressive orthodoxy constitutes violence, then you will take any means necessary to snuff it out. There are an awful lot of true believers, useful idiots, cynics, and cowed people across American life seemingly willing to adhere to such a principle. It will likely push us to ideological segregation, which will only further fuel hostility, strife, and chaos. America's cold civil war will only heat up as those with all the power take precisely the wrong lessons from the Capitol Hill riot. And rather than seeking to represent millions of Americans and address their concerns, simply chooses to punish or silence them. Well said. And the potential exists that he's quite right. You've heard several now. Mitch McConnell say, wants to purge the Republican Party of the Trump movement. The Trump movement. He wants to purge the Republican Party. Who the hell is he? He's a senator from Kentucky. If he ran nationwide, he'd get slaughtered in the polls. He'd get slaughtered at the voting booth. He doesn't get to purge people who have certain belief systems and embrace certain viewpoints. He's not the only one. Remember the MSNBC clip that we paid, uh, played the other day, Mr. Producer? Where they said they need to deprogram us. Remember that? They need to deprogram you and me. Mostly white, mostly Republican, you know. And as I've been saying, also notice how all these members of Congress who supported Antifa and BLM and still do. And the vice president come incoming, and the president incoming... How they trashed law enforcement. They trashed law enforcement. They wouldn't raise a syllable in speaking against what was taking place in these cities. And so they feared it might hurt them at the polls. What happened to systemic racism in the police force? Does it not exist on the Capitol Police Force? Does it not exist in the D.C. Metropolitan Police Force? No longer exists at the Secret Service and the FBI and the National Guard? It's all gone? No, 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 no. They want to muscle up as much power as possible. And notice, General Mattis and General Kelly, 
They don't have a problem with the military now. And by the way, many of the military who are going to be in Washington next week are going to be armed. I support that. I also supported it for the insurrections that took place against the White House in Lafayette Park, where over 50 Secret Service agents were injured, and the president had to go to the bunker. Or the Portland courthouse, a federal courthouse where federal judges are supposed to meet. You know, the judiciary has a role in our Constitution, too. For a hundred days, they couldn't function because that was under attack. And the walls were breached. And officers were injured. And Nancy Pelosi called federal law enforcement there, sent by the president. What did she call them? Stormtroopers. Twice. As did other Democrat leaders in the, in the House. Stormtroopers. Mattis said, yeah, you don't send uniform soldiers to Lafayette Park. And he wasn't the only one. You can't use the military, the Insurrection Act. Why not if you have an insurrection? Whether it's on Capitol Hill, the White House, a federal courthouse, it's been used before. And now the left agrees with me. Isn't that funny? No, it's not. Because either you support the rule of law, putting down violence, defending this country, or you don't. Or you don't. This impeachment today will live in infamy. Throughout our history, it's going to be pointed to. 40, 50, 60, 100 years from now, assuming we're still around as the disgrace that it is. And as Jefferson said, tyranny comes in many forms. I'm paraphrasing. You've seen the tyranny of the attacks on the Capitol building. You've seen the tyranny of the attacks on the White House. You've seen the tyranny of the attacks of the federal courthouse in Portland. You've seen the tyranny of the media dismissing it. Yes, you've seen all of that. But tyranny comes in many forms. It can be armed riots. There are people dressed in suits and ties who are voting to abolish big chunks of your Constitution. In one week's time, we've seen both types of tyranny. The armed militants and militarists who apparently... Their intentions were known by law enforcement. They didn't conduct itself in a way that it should have. And I want to know what the sergeant of arms of the Senate knew, and I want to know what the sergeant of arms of the House knew. We have a right to know, which is why I've said from day one, who are these people who did this? Who are they? Not to dismiss it, not to create diversions. Who are they? And we're learning. Who they are. We're learning more about the facts. But they went ahead today and they impeached the President of the United States because Nancy Pelosi hates him. And as we all know, the country goes any way Nancy decides. Again, I have the document in front of me that was used. And there's not a single high crime and or misdemeanor in this document. It's 50 pages of almost like a first-year law student would write this thing up. And the remaining one-third of it 
26 pages appendix. They're quoting each other, they're quoting newspapers, they're quoting opinion pieces. What they're not doing is citing a high crime or misdemeanor. And they go to the floor of the Congress and they say over and over again, President incited an insurrection, he incited an insurrection. They can't point to any language, they can't point to anything. Nothing. And now as the facts come in, the facts, through the Washington Post and the New York Times and others who are looking at timelines... This attack on the Capitol building was pre-planned. The NYPD picked it up. A field office in Virginia picked it up. They provided it to Washington. Washington sent it through the Terrorism Task Force. And what the hell happened? What the hell happened? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage either. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Troopers, and they did, and my colleagues have said that as well. What is it? I'm a, an organizer, that's how I came into all of this, chair of the California Democratic Party. And peaceful protest is who we are and what we do. And do some other people come along and, and try to disrupt? Yes. But you don't send in people acting like stormtroopers into the scene and mm-hmm. evoking even more. Uh, even more uh, unease and unrest. See, this is part of the problem, isn't it? This is, this is a big part of the problem. I am personally convinced, I have no proof, but I'm personally convinced if those riots had been put down by those cities and states, if the Speaker of the House and the soon-to-be President of the United States and the soon-to-be Vice President of the United States had condemned them, that we wouldn't be where we are today. I'm convinced of that. And then when I read the Washington Post piece, even on this document that they uh, received that was leaked to them, and I hear members of the Democrat Party on the other side going about how this is different, CNN anchors, how this is different. Violence is violence. But this was aimed at our government. Okay, so violence aimed at the White House is aimed at our government too. And violence aimed at a federal courthouse is aimed at federal judges, too. And there's also, as I said, tyranny of the nonviolent type. 
when members of Congress are talking about destroying our judiciary, destroying the Senate, destroying the way we vote. That does violence to our constitutional system. I'll be right back. Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. For the 19 million homeowners can save over $300 a month simply by refinancing. That's thousands of dollars in annual savings plus tens of thousands in long-term savings. It's the kind of money you can't afford to miss out on, so please pick up the phone and call American Financing. Get that free mortgage review I've been telling you about. There's no pressure, no upfront fees. Just a simple conversation around custom loan options that may fit you better. Because there's more to a mortgage refinance than just a lower rate. You can take out cash, pay off some high interest debt, even shorten your loan term. Whatever you need, American Financing can help. They will personalize and customize whatever you need. They're experts in the mortgage industry. They have stellar reviews from people just like you. It's a family-owned business. We can speak from personal experience here. Mr. Producer and my daughter both used them and we're thrilled with them. So don't put a refinance offer any longer. Rates won't stay this low forever, that's for sure. Big-time spending is coming, more than even now. So call 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I keep hearing, why didn't the president... We're going to play his video that he just put up. Put out this video a week ago. Why didn't he denounce the violence earlier? You understand, folks, people still aren't denouncing violence. Again, I watched this impeachment charade, a.k.a. charade, on the House floor. And the distinction being made between one kind of violence and another kind of violence is still going on. On CNN, Fredo Cuomo and D. Lemon, the Deister. Yeah, they're still making a distinct. Don't you dare compare this to Antifa. Don't you dare compare. And in the Washington Post piece, BLM is probably a reference to the Black Lives Matter movement for racial justice. Pantifa is a derogatory term for Antifa, a far-left anti-fascist movement whose adherents sometimes engage in violent clashes with right-wing extremists. Sometimes violent clashes and white, stream, uh, white uh, extremists? Antifa all but owns Seattle. Long before there was a Donald, Donald Trump, when there'd be various international meetings in Seattle, they would riot, they would burn, they would break windows, they would burn cars. Sometimes violent, sometimes they're fighting right-wing extremists, maybe so, but sometimes they're not. A lot of times they're not. So they're making excuses for Antifa, and they say nothing of Black Lives Matter. So, Let's all denounce violence. Here's what the president just said in uh, anticipation of the inauguration, which is next week. Go ahead. My fellow Americans, I want to speak to you tonight about the troubling events of the past week. As I have said, the incursion of the U.S. Capitol struck at the very heart of our republic. It angered and appalled millions of Americans across the political spectrum. 
I want to be very clear. I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Making America great again has always been about defending the rule of law, supporting the men and women of law enforcement, and upholding our nation's most sacred traditions and values. Mob violence goes against everything I believe in and everything our movement stands for. No true supporter of mine could ever endorse political violence. No true supporter of mine could ever disrespect law enforcement or our great American flag. No true supporter of mine could ever threaten or harass their fellow Americans. If you do any of these things, you are not supporting our movement. You are attacking it, and you are attacking our country. We cannot tolerate it. Tragically, over the course of the past year, made so difficult because of COVID-19, we have seen political violence spiral out of control. We have seen too many riots, too many mobs, too many acts of intimidation and destruction. It must stop. Whether you are on the right or on the left, a Democrat or a Republican, there is never a justification for violence. No excuses, no exceptions. America is a nation of laws. Those who engaged in the attacks last week will be brought to justice. Now I am asking everyone who has ever believed in our agenda to be thinking of ways to ease tensions, calm tempers, and help to promote peace in our country. There has been reporting that additional demonstrations are being planned in the coming days, both here in Washington and across the country. I have been briefed by the U.S. Secret Service on the potential threats. Every American deserves to have their voice heard in a respectful and peaceful way. That is your First Amendment right. But I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. Everyone must follow our laws and obey the instructions of law enforcement. I have directed federal agencies to use all necessary resources to maintain order. In Washington, D.C., we are bringing in thousands of National Guard members to secure the city and ensure that a transition can occur safely and without incident. Like all of you, I was shocked and deeply saddened by the calamity at the Capitol last week. I want to thank the hundreds of millions of incredible American citizens who have responded to this moment with calm, moderation, and grace. We will get through this challenge just like we always do. I also want to say a few words about the unprecedented assault on free speech we have seen in recent days. These are tense and difficult times. The efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist our fellow citizens are wrong, and they are dangerous. What is needed now is for us to listen to one another, not to silence one another. All of us can choose 
by our actions to rise above the rancor and find common ground and shared purpose. We must focus on advancing the interests of the whole nation, delivering the miracle vaccines, defeating the pandemic, rebuilding the economy, protecting our national security, and upholding the rule of law. Today, I am calling on all Americans to overcome the passions of the moment and join together as one American people. Let us choose to move forward united for the good of our families, our communities, and our country. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. That's the president today. Nearly a week ahead of the inauguration. That's coming up. All these federal resources and military resources wouldn't be possible without his approval, by the way, just as a side point. Doesn't sound like he's leading much of an insurrection to me. But this entire drama that played out today on the floor of the House of Representatives absolutely ignores everything we've just learned from the New York Times and the Washington Post and other publications about the pre-planning of the violence. The pre-planning of the violence. The violence was taking place before he even finished his speech. Some timelines have it before he even gave his speech, but the planning did. And why, why wasn't there any real preparation for this? I think we have a right to know. We need to keep uncovering who these people are. Jim Jordan on the floor of the House of Representatives today. Because now what's happening is Democrats and the media are saying if you object to electors, if you raise concerns about fraud, if you raise serious constitutional concerns about what took place in some of these states as I have, and they need to be addressed, these state legislatures have to circle back and fix what took place. And as a side point, to the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, to the governor of Pennsylvania, to the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania, do you take any responsibility for any of this? To the Secretary of State in Michigan and the Secretary of State and others in Wisconsin, do you take any responsibility for this? In Georgia, the Secretary of State? I mean, you all were involved in changing the election laws in your states. Over 300 lawsuits were brought. The history doesn't change. This is reality. This is what took place. Win, lose, or draw, there are future elections coming, and they need to be addressed. And I would also say to the media, including reporters for the Washington Post and the New York Times, you keep an eye on this Congress. If you're as serious about defending the Constitution as you're claiming today, let's see it. And as for Joe Biden... He was silent when the rioting was occurring, almost to the end. And he's silent now, while his party continues to pull this country apart. Nothing. Nothing. Jim Jordan on the floor of the House today, cut four, go. Thank the gentleman for yielding, Mr. Speaker. Uh, in his opening remarks, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee said that Republicans last week voted to overturn the results of an election. Guess who the first objector was on January 6, 2017? First objector, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee. Now stop right there. 
You see, what the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee knows is he won't be called out for his hypocrisy and contradictions. So there he is, bombastic, going on about how dare you object to the electors for Joe Biden. And Jordan said, wait, 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 wait a minute. You objected to the electors for President Trump, and you were the first one. Go ahead. State he objected to. Alabama. The very first state called. Alabama. President Trump, I think, won Alabama by like 80 points. Actually, he won it by, but he won it by 30 points. They can object, they can object to Alabama in 2017. But tell us, we can't object to Pennsylvania in 2021? Pennsylvania, where the state Supreme Court just unilaterally extended the election to Friday? Pennsylvania, where the Secretary of State unilaterally changed the rules, went around the legislature in unconstitutional fashion? Pennsylvania, where county clerks in some counties, and you can imagine which counties they were, let people fix their ballots against the law, fix, cure their ballots, their mail-in ballots, directly viol- direct violation of the now law. Now let's stop here. You see, you're not allowed to bring this up anymore because somehow you're inciting an insurrection. Even though these insurrectionists, even though these these paramilitary types, they were pre-planning and everything else, you have to be able to to, to challenge this. The Democrats bought 300 lawsuits, for God's sake. We're not supposed to discuss this anymore? Well, we are going to discuss it. You can discuss that and not promote violence, for God's sake. Do you believe this? Go ahead. And they tell us we tried to overturn the election. Guess who the second objector was in 2017? The individual managing the impeachment for the Democrats. Now, you got Nadler on two things here that are absolutely unbelievable. His pushing for the commutation of a sentence, two sentences of individuals who were caught with massive armaments to blow up the Capitol building, among others. It's unbelievable that he's leading the impeachment against the president and that he was the second one to object to the president's electors from Alabama, where there was no doubt that Donald Trump won Alabama. Go ahead. Americans are tired of the double standard. They are so tired of it. Democrats object to more states in 2017 than Republicans did last week, but somehow we're wrong. Democrats can raise bail for rioters and looters this summer, but somehow when Republicans condemn all the violence, the violence this summer, the violence last week, somehow we're wrong. And Democrats can investigate the President of the United States, as Mr. Hoyer went through, try to impeach him, investigate him for four years, but will not look at an election that 80 million Americans, half the electorate, 80 million, Republicans and Democrats have their doubts about. I I, I said this last night. I do not know where all this goes. And this is frightening for the country. We should defeat this rule, and we should defeat the impeachment resolution. His point there is obvious. They challenged the legitimacy of the Trump election from day one. They talked about impeachment even before he was sworn in. Um, They pushed this Russia collusion narrative at the Washington Post, the New York Times, all over the media. And they want to have a commission or a discussion about what took place in the last election, and they're said to have incited this attack on the Capitol building. It's really appalling. I'll be right back.
49% of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage either. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. of evidence that we have. There's one other thing I want to share. Well, just one other thing. Just yep. That's relevant. What you're saying right now is relevant because Congressman Brian Mast, mm -hmm. a Republican from Florida who lost his legs, by the way, fighting for democracy abroad, mm -hmm. although I don't know what is, I don't know about his commitment to it here in the United States. He said, did anybody say that? Yes. Yeah, we heard him. Yeah. The answer is yes. That is so outrageous and sickening. You see, ladies and gentlemen, and then the media want to write about me, and they want to write about my colleagues, and they want to write about Trump and his language. Jake Tapper, Brian Mass bo lost both of his legs in combat. He is an incredibly nice man. He's not as conservative as I am, but he's conservative. And he went to the floor of the House today, and he said, did anybody talk to any of the witnesses and did any of them say that the President of the United States incited them? And there was silence. And Jake Tapper and his sidekick says, yes, 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 we talked. He didn't ask if you talked to them, you morons. He asked if anybody voting on impeachment had talked to them. So Jake Tapper now attacks this man's commitment to freedom and democracy, who left two legs overseas... And Jake Tapper should be removed from CNN, but he won't be removed from CNN. Maybe Paul Fari will write a piece about him, although I doubt it. Does this incite people? Does this anger people? You damn well bet it does. The left and the media in this country take responsibility for nothing. Nothing. Zero. Jake Tapper should be fired on the spot. Would I ever say this about a liberal... Who lost? Who who is the woman in the Senate who's lost both her legs? I forget her name, but we know who she is. I just can't remember who she, her name. Have I ever talked about her like that? Tammy Duckworth. For God's sake, you don't do that, do you, Jake? Do you, Paul? Forty-nine percent of Americans say their top New Yorker's resolution, New Year's resolution, is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you can save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff. 
And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over in the data usage, they don't charge you for it. Just grab your phone, your, your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, pound 250, say Mark Levin. You'll also save 50% off your first month. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I will see you on Hannity tonight. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Look forward to seeing you then. I want you to play, Mr. Producer, another time uh, Jake Tapper talking about Brian Mass, the congressman from Florida who lost both of his legs in combat. And I want you to hear how Jake Tapper talks about him and ask yourself why Jake Tapper is still on any television show of any kind. Go ahead reams of evidence that we have. There's one other thing I want to share. Oh, just one other thing. Just yep. That's relevant. What you're saying right now is relevant because Congressman Brian Mast, mm-hmm. a Republican from Florida who lost his legs, by the way, fighting for democracy abroad, mm-hmm. although I don't know what is I don't know about his commitment to it here in the United States. He said, did anybody say that? Yes. Yeah, we heard him. Yeah. The answer is yes. He doesn't know about his commitment to democracy today. I want you to call Jake Tapper. I'm serious. Rich, and see if he'll come on the program tomorrow and defend that comment. Or go on CNN and apologize for that comment. You see, Paul Fari of the Washington Post will never do a story on Jake Tapper's inflammatory rhetoric, or Brian Stelter's inflammatory rhetoric. I've never seen one. And he should. He wants to be fair, but that doesn't work over there at the Washington Compost. Absolutely disgusting. Just disgusting. Jonathan Turley blog. And why stop there, he writes. CNN analyst calls for sweeping regulation of free speech on the Internet. He writes, we previously discussed the unrelenting drumbeat of censorship on the Internet from Democratic leaders, including President-elect Joe Biden, and Michelle Obama, by the way, not to mention Kamala Harris. Those calls are growing as anti-free speech advocates see an opportunity in the Biden administration to crack down on opposing views. Better look out, talk radio. I think the media are trying to lay the foundation for this, too. One vocal advocate of censorship and speech controls has been CNN media analyst Oliver Darcy. Oliver Darcy, who just ratcheted up his call for deplatforming opposing views. Like many anti-free speech advocates, 
Darcy simply labels those with opposing views as spreading disinformation, quote-unquote, and demands that they be labeled or barred from social media. In a recent newsletter, Darcy calls for every tweet by Trump to be labeled as disinformation while asking, quote, and why stop there, unquote. Precisely. Once you cross the Rubicon of speech regulation, there's little reason or inclination to stop. Just look at Europe. In fact, Darcy wrote, quote, nearly every tweet from the president at this point is labeled for misinformation, which had me thinking, why doesn't Twitter just take the step of labeling his entire account as a known source of election disinformation? And why stop there? Why not label accounts that repeatedly spread claims that platform has to fact check? There was a time, from the very touchstone of American journalism, that there was rejection of such calls for censorship, including at CNN. What is chilling about Darcy's writings is that they reflect the view of many now in Congress and in the Democrat Party, and I might add in the media, the rest of the media. Indeed, they reflect many in the Biden campaign, once a party that fought for free speech. It's become the party demanding Internet censorship and hate speech laws. President-elect Joe Biden has called for speech controls and recently appointed a transition head for agency media issues that is one of the most pronounced anti-free speech figures in America. It is a trend that seems now to be finding support in the media, which celebrated the speech of French President Emmanuel Macron before Congress, where he called on the United States to follow the model of of Europe on hate speech. Darcy's calling for more active and extensive regulation of speech to protect users from thoughts or views that he considers false or dangerous. Think of it as a version of NewsGuard for Twitter. NewsGuard for Twitter? NewsGuard has a lovely Orwellian sound to be added to our other codes for censorship, like Senator Richard Blumenthal recently calling, quote, for robust content modification on the Internet. Robust content modification? Who can object to a news guard with Darcy describes like some beneficent St. Bernard watching over our news and social postings? Of course, what Darcy considers disinformation or what Blumenthal considers robust content modification is left dangerously undefined. So put me down as preferring free speech without the helpful guards and content modification. Instead, I hold a novel idea that people can reach their own conclusions on such disinformation, just as Darcy does. Yeah, but they would love to destroy Fox News, conservative talk radio. That's going on now. The Washington Post is obsessed with yours truly. And we will fight back. We are monitoring what they write about me very, very carefully. Me and a few experts. I want to mention Liz Cheney. She put out a statement earlier that was filled with lies. Filled with lies. Direct accusations. They cannot be backed with actual substantive fact. She was projecting. She was regurgitating what the media had said, that the president incited this, that, that he formed the mob. Actually, the president didn't form anything. It was a private nonprofit group that sponsored and and organized the event. 
And we now have a lot of information from the New York Times and the Washington Post, of all sources, analyzed very carefully by others, including John Solomon, which makes it abundantly clear that prior to the president's speech, these militia, militarists, whatever you want to call them, had been planning an attack on the Capitol building. And when you look at the timeline, and I would challenge all the reporters out there to check this. The reporters out there, excuse me, misspoke. But anyway, to check it. To check the timeline that's put out by the New York Times and the Washington Post, but particularly the New York Times. And you'll see that the president didn't even finish his speech by the time the Capitol building's walls were breached. We have no reason to believe the allegations that are being made against this president by the same people who pushed the Russia collusion allegations. Whether it be the media or these members of Congress, they take no responsibility for the plight this country's in right now. You hear Jake Tapper talking about a hero congressman the way he does. It's so appalling and disgusting. And he sits there with that stupid, constipated look on his face. And that's exactly what his boss wants. AOC says commission being discussed to help rein in media environment after a Capitol riot. What do you think of that one, Paul? Representative Alexander Ocasio-Cortez said that Congress is looking into media literacy initiatives. Media literacy initiatives to help rein in the press to combat misinformation in the way... You see, all these Maoist, neo-Marxist ideas coming to the floor. We need to have lists of people. Lists of who they worked for and what they said and what they did on behalf of Trump. We need to punish them. We need to make it impossible for them to earn a living. We need to treat them like second-class citizens. It's unbelievable. We need to shut down major avenues of communication with certain Americans. You know, tens of millions of Americans are not terrorists, are not white supremacists, regardless of what the media and the Democrats say. But the Democrat Party is now on a, uh, a power binge, a big-time power binge. And by that, I mean the media, too. And they intend to make anyone who doesn't agree with them pay. Pay. And this is what we're going to have to resist. They can fight Trump every step of the way. They can impeach him twice. They can unleash investigations against him. How many times were they going to impeach him for how many things? They were going to impeach him over the porn actress. They were going to impeach him over non-disclosure agreements. They were going to impeach him over his taxes. They were going to impeach him over Russia. They were going to impeach him over Ukraine. Now they're going to impeach him because they claim he incited a riot. And I want to know. I want to know what Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell were told by their sergeants of arms, the respective Sergeant of Arms in each one of those bodies. Because we have reports, not by me, by the New York Times and the Washington Post. So that must be the gold standard, right? Not for me, but for them. That this was pre-planned. So I would ask Liz Cheney, why don't you come on my program and explain to me how you could ignore the New York Times and the Washington Post while you're putting out that outrageous statement that you put out. I know you don't like this president. I know you don't like his foreign policy. 
But my God, you're undermining the Constitution of the United States. Same with these other clowns. Oh, yes. She's going nowhere fast. She's the number three in the Republican leadership. And by the way, Kevin McCarthy would come on this show and he'd sound like the greatest conservative on the face of the earth. Didn't he, Mr. Producer? And he raised serious questions about this election. Didn't he, Mr. Producer? And now today he says the president deserves blame too for the breaching of the Capitol building. If you really believe the president deserves blame for that, that you actually believe he incited an insurrection, then why wouldn't you vote against him? But he's not, he's not welcome on this program anymore. I can't have chameleons on this program. I just can't have it. I can't, I can't have it. And I'm not going to have it. AOC says commission being discussed to help rein in media environment after Capitol riot. This is Fox News. Nobody will question her. Nobody says she's inciting anything. No, 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 no. If you're the hard left, you're never inciting anything. Even if you celebrate riots like Kamala Harris did in her interview with Stephen Colbert. Oh, yes, it's going to continue and it should continue. Unbelievable. Google. Amazon, Microsoft hold thousands of contracts with the United States military and federal law enforcement, new research shows. Wow, this is even NBC News. Did you hear that, America? You are subsidizing Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. And God knows, probably all the Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts on government computers. No wonder there's this symbiotic relationship between the permanent bureaucracy and these high-tech companies. April Glazer, over the past two years, thousands of tech company employees have taken a stand. They do not want their labor and technical expertise to be used for projects with the military and law enforcement. Oh, so we're paying them to be liberals. We have here Jack Paulson, a former Google research scientist who quit the company in 2018 after months of internal campaigning to get clarity about plans to deploy a censored version of its search engine in China called Project Dragonfly. Oh, did you hear that, folks? Google was going to, or did, put in a censored version of its search engine in China because China would not tolerate anything else. So Google and the others are used to repression. And left this fascism. They can work with it. Paulson has publicly opposed collaborations between American technology companies and the U.S. and foreign governments that aid in efforts to track immigrants, dissenters, and bolster military activity. But that's not my point. My point is he analyzed more than 30 million government contracts signed or modified in the past five years, and he found that there's an enormous level with the federal government. Out of all the companies that surfaced in tech inquiries research, Microsoft stood, stood out with more than 5,000 subcontracts with the Department of Defense and various law enforcement agencies since 2016. Amazon had more than 350 subcontracts with the military and federal law enforcement. 
That's pretty incredible. So you're paying a lot of money to subsidize these massive billionaires and their left-wing Democrat employees. This is how you fight back. You start to eliminate that. You start to promote competition. You get back to real capitalism, real free enterprise, real entrepreneurship. There's many things we can do. And over the course of the next several years, we're going to think about them. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Joe Biden and Democrats plot aggressive pandemic response without the Republicans. This is in Politico. Now, while all this other stuff's going on, all this stuff going on on Capitol Hill. By the way, now you know why you hate Washington, you hate politicians. They make it very difficult to like them, don't they? Joe Biden's team is at work. So far, he has announced a number of people, including a woman who is, in my view, a racist, who he wants to head the Civil Rights Division. He's chosen people, including people who despise the state of Israel, to work on his national security team. I see very little reporting about this because the media are owned and paid for effectively by Joe Biden. No updates on Hunter Biden and the criminal investigation. If it was uh, Don Jr. or Eric or Ivanka or whomever... There'd be daily leaks about that investigation, but we don't get that because the media could care less. Instead, they're worried about what I think about the election. It's shocking. This is from Politico. Senator Bernie Sanders, who will be a key figure for President-elect Joe Biden's in, uh, in crafting reconciliation legislation as the new head of the Senate Budget Committee. Oh, good Lord, I forgot about that pledged on Tuesday to use the powerful procedure to address the immediate health and economic crisis at hand. Biden has spent months pledging to work with Republicans to advance his agenda, but Senate Democrats are now gearing up to pass Biden's first major legislative package without them. He's not even talking to them. Key Senate offices are coalescing around a plan to pass another round of coronavirus legislation soon, after Biden takes office using a process called reconciliation which would allow them to move forward without any Republican support. The package will be in the trillions of dollars, is expected to provide direct relief to America. Well, you get it. It's, uh, it's commie Bernie's uh, plan. 
trillions of dollars bypassed the Republicans. In the House, Nancy Pelosi passed rules violating 100 years of tradition. So Republicans can't get legislation through and they, can, they can't even offer seriously amendments to legislation. There's no concern about this in the media, no concern about this by Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy. We hear nothing. Nothing. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. I want to go through this again, because people come and go in this show, and the third-ranking Republican in the House of Representatives lied to the American people and defamed an innocent man, the President of the United States. Her name is Lynn Cheney. She's been on this show when she wanted to run for the Senate in Wyoming. I supported her. I will support her for nothing going forward. Ten Republicans voted for impeachment. She's the number three, and the best she could do is bring along nine. And some of those nine were already all in, like Adam Kingsley, who's hated Trump since 2016 and never voted for him. He's another Trump-hating fraud. We're going to look more into this Lincoln Project, too, by the way, and this individual, Mr. Weaver... We've invited Mr. Weaver on the program I have publicly to discuss the allegations that have been made against him. Have you heard from him, Mr. Weaver, Mr. Producer? No, Mr. Weaver is hiding out. I'm sure Paul Farhi will follow him and track him down and interview him. So Cheney puts out this statement yesterday, which gets a whole lot of attention. The 10 who voted against Trump and for impeachment are getting a ton of attention from the media, which is kind of what they want. And they're making statements that are fundamentally false. She said, on January 6, 2021, a violent mob attacked the United States Capitol to obstruct the process of our democracy and stop the counting of presidential electoral votes. This insurrection caused injury, death, and destruction in the most sacred space in our republic. Much more will become clear in the coming days and weeks. But what we know now is enough. Now, understand they haven't even conducted an investigation. Doesn't matter. It's enough. The President of the United States summoned this mob. He didn't summon any mob. Assembled the mob. I guess that's different than summoning the mob. And lit the flame of this attack. 
Where is your evidence for that, Lynn Cheney? They don't even have any evidence for that in this so-called impeachment report, which is a 50-page essay. It's an opinion piece. And you issued this statement despite the fact that earlier the New York Times had published a story telling you and the whole world about this pre-planned attack before the president ever appeared on the mall and ever spoke. Everything that followed was his doing. None of this would have happened without the president. The president could have immediately and forcefully intervened to stop the violence. He did not. There's never been a greater betrayal by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution. I will vote to impeach the president. Wow. She's become a, uh, a member of the old Soviet Union, I guess. I guess. Now, I know why she's upset, because the President of the United States specifically referenced her and denounced her, and her father saw it and called her, and she got very upset. So what? People denounce me and call me names all the time. The worst, there's never been a greater betrayal. She has no facts whatsoever. She's projecting. She's drawing conclusions. And yes, as more information comes out, we're learning a hell of a lot more that this was pre-planned. I'll give you an example. If, as is written here, uh, the FBI is looking at conspiracies. I'm trying to find the uh, article now. Just bear with me. Just bear with me. Just bear with me. Pursuing conspiracy charges... So you have multiple acts, multiple conspiracies that they're looking at. You don't have a conspiracy right on the spot, Mr. Producer. You understand what I mean? It's, not, it's like, oh, we heard him, he incited us, let's spontaneously have a conspiracy. A conspiracy is something that's planned. And so they impeached an innocent man. They impeached a man on a narrative that the media pushed and the Democrats pushed. It's awful. Now, this Jeffrey Scott Shapiro, who I mentioned earlier, former prosecutor in Washington, D.C., he wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal the other day. He didn't have to. No, Trump isn't guilty of incitement. House Democrats have drafted an article of impeachment that accuses President Trump of incitement to insurrection, quote-unquote. Acting U.S. Attorney Michael Sherwin said Thursday, his office is looking at all actors here and anyone that had a role in the Capitol riot. The president didn't commit incitement or any other crime. I should know, he writes. As a Washington prosecutor, I earned the nickname, the nickname protester prosecutor from the anti-war group Code Pink. In one trial, I convicted 31 protesters who disrupted congressional traffic by obstructing the Capitol crypt. In another, I convicted a Code Pink activist who smeared her hands with fake blood, charged at then-Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice in a House hearing room, and incited the audience to seize the Secretary of State physically. In other cases, I dropped charges when the facts fell short of the legal standard for incitement. One such defendant was the anti-war activist Cindy Sheehan. Hostile journalists and lawmakers have suggested Mr. Trump incited the riot when he told a rally that Republicans need to fight much harder. Mr. Trump suggested the crowd walk to the Capitol. 
He said, we're going to cheer on brave senators and congressmen and women, and we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them, because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength, and you have to be strong. In the District of Columbia, it's a crime to, quote, intentionally or recklessly act in such a manner to cause another person to be in reasonable fear, unquote, and to incite or provoke violence where there's a likelihood that such violence will ensue. This language is based on Brandenbury versus Ohio, a Supreme Court case, 1969. It set the standard for speech that could be prosecuted without violating the First Amendment. So the justice has held that a Ku Klux Klan leader's calls for violence against blacks and Jews were protected speech. The court found that Clarence Brandenburg's comments were mere advocacy of violence, not directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action, likely to incite or produce such action. The president didn't mention violence on Wednesday, much less provoke or incite it. He said, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Now, on that sentence, I looked through this so-called materials in support of impeaching Donald Trump. And that sentence, at least in the very beginning, doesn't appear, Mr. Producer. They didn't put that in. Not in the beginning, anyway. District law defines a riot as a public disturbance, which by tumultuous and violent conduct or the threat thereof creates grave danger of damage or injury to property or person. So when President Trump spoke, there was no public disturbance, only a rally. The disturbance came later at the Capitol by a small minority who entered the perimeter and broke the law. They should be prosecuted. The president's critics want him charged for inflaming the emotions of angry Americans. That alone does not satisfy the elements of any criminal offense. Therefore, his speech is protected by the Constitution that members of Congress are sworn to support and defend. We have serious people who understand the law, who are seriously concerned about what's been done today. And I don't damn well blame them. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, I'll be on Hannity in 40 minutes or so, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope you'll join us. Tyranny. 
You've seen a lot of tyranny the last year. The attacks from the federal courthouse for a hundred nights in Portland was intended to do severe damage to this republic. Clyburn and Pelosi called the federal law enforcement stormtroopers. The attacks on the White House by Black Lives Matter, which now has a boulevard named after it right across from Lafayette Park in the White House. The burning of a church, the destruction of buildings, attacks on the police, attacks on the last night of the Republican convention as people were leaving the South Lawn of the White House. Democrats were silent. Joe Biden was silent. Our cities attacked, our cops attacked, looting, burning. Democrats were not silent. They were supportive. So were the media, by lying about them and who they were. Violence breaking out all over the place. And Madison Kelly warning the President of the United States, don't bring in the military, don't use the Insurrection Act. The Secretary of Defense, now departed, fired. I will not use the military to put any of this down. No, we don't use that in civilian cases. Sure we do. And now, an attack on the Capitol building. An attack that's to be denounced. People are to be prosecuted and thrown in prison. And now, now the police are great. Now bring in the military. Make sure they're armed. Don't defund them. Make sure we have enough of them. I happen to agree with that. But they didn't. They hated the cops and they hated the military. They didn't. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's disgusting. Now we're facing left-wing repression of speech. Of anybody who is a Trump supporter. Of anybody who worked in his administration. Anybody who rallied for him. Anybody who voted for him. And by the way, don't you dare raise questions about this election. You can raise questions for four years about the legitimacy of Donald Trump. You can lie about Russian collusion. You can try and impeach him for every damn thing he's ever done in his life. But you people, you know, law-abiding, peaceful, tax-paying citizens, not the militia nuts, you people can't say a word. Or you'll be canceled from whatever you do. Or you'll be part of a white supremacist militia organization, even though you're not. And many of you aren't even white. Doesn't matter. And now the Biden agenda. Mr. Unity. Planning to ramp through trillions of dollars in spending using a special parliamentary tactic to get around the Republicans in the Senate. It's a 50-50 Senate. They didn't win any landslide. Quite the opposite. But they don't care. And Biden says, just like Obama did, if I can't get stuff legislatively, I will do it by executive order. He's already talking about 11 million illegal immigrants, which are really 20 million, giving them citizenship. How are you going to stop it? You can't. And they're talking about a hell of a lot more than that. More than immigration. The environmental rules are going to be used to kill this economy. Kill it. Meanwhile, they're going to take care of their big tech friends who took care of them. And Biden's already brought in like a dozen of them. So 2022, we have to look at 2022. We have to do everything we can in these states where the election laws were changed. So what was done today in the House of Representatives is an abomination. 
And I challenge all the media in this country, particularly on my favorite cable channel, the news people there, at least provide the audience with the facts, would you? Before you keep asking, doesn't Trump deserve some of the blame? You need to explain what took place before the speech now. The preparation for the attacks. It's in two of your favorite newspapers, the New York Times and the Washington Post. Not mine, theirs. They're that, that's their gold standard, even though they obviously chose. People need to start standing up for the facts and the truth. Don't be cowed. Don't be intimidated. Don't be cowed. Don't be intimidated. We have nothing to do with the people who charged the uh, Capitol building. We have nothing to do with the people who, who uh, rioted and harmed police and so forth. We have nothing to do with the people who did it against the White House or the Portland Courthouse or these police precincts all over the country. We're not them. They're not us. I know who the hell these people are. For 20 years almost, I've been behind this microphone talking about the Constitution and the civil society. I've written books about it. But I've warned that they can be easily frayed, that when you lose virtue or you lose, you lose morality, or if you embrace neo-Marxism or radical progressivism, that you be. Read my book. Ameritopia. Read my book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. If you're going to write about me, know about me, learn about me, understand me. Stop with the BS. And then you'd see that what we talk about here is individual humanity. And so what took place? On Capitol Hill is a disgrace. What took place against the White House is a disgrace. There's no diversion. It's a fact. The idea that President Trump gives a speech and then all of a sudden... I, remember this? The first day, what did I say, Mr. Producer? Who are these people with gas masks and helmets and hammers in their backpacks? Where the hell do they come from? Remember that? I said, find out who these people are. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, folks, and we will see you tomorrow. Keep your chin up, and God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 